You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 91 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? Saturday night, <laughs> you've uh, had a couple of wines, have you, Val? And uh, I've just come back from a party, so it's a nice and loose kind of a podcast, <laughs> isn't Gina, it? Gina is referring to the fact that we're recording this on a Saturday night, and yeah. yes, I, being a Saturday, I have had a couple of wines, uh-huh. uh, but I'm sure we will make sense this episode. Oh, yeah, totally, totally makes sense. So what have you been up to this week, Gina? All right, so uh, a week a week out from uh, my trip, heading over to uh, Colombia and Iceland, and probably there's going to be another leg tacked on. It's looking like so. Um, I'm getting ready for that, and so I went out and got my uh, warm weather, uh, cold weather gear for Iceland. Yeah, and uh, I got my very first pair of trekking boots. Oh. Uh, I don't even know what they are. Well, they're like uh, they they got to be waterproof and sort of comfortable, and they're like docks, and but they're you know uh, they're good solid, good, you know, good grown up shoes. Are that you going are, somewhere yeah. where there's wet weather? Uh, well, yeah, it's likely to be raining in Iceland, so I did get myself like a really good windproof, uh, waterproof uh, Gore-Tex jacket and uh, and then the under thermal layer that goes under that. I've got my thermals. I've got my thermal socks, thermal gloves, little heat things that go in your pocket that you press and they oh, heat yes. up, pocket, keep you warm, so pockets. all are good. And then I bought the, uh, the trekking boots and then I've heard horror stories about breaking them in and so I wanted to make sure that... Uh. You know, they would be comfortable. The girl in the shop said, I said, do I have to break them in? No, just you wear them uh, maybe a couple of times around the house and you'll be right. So I did that. And then so today I thought, well, I'll take them out. I'll take the dog for a walk in my new trekking boots. Off I go (laughs) on a half-hour walk, 15 minutes in, pins and knees. I couldn't feel my feet anymore. I'm nearly in tears. And then I didn't make the trek home and I'm just like hobbling the last. And there is no greater feeling than when you've had – shoes that hurt your feet to oh, take yeah. them off. Yeah, it's I like understand. that feeling afterwards is amazing. So I've got like six or seven days to break them in. So I'm just like people have said, fill a, a, a bag with water, stuff it in the shoes and then put the shoes in the freezer. The water expands and that will stretch your boots. Ooh. So I've got to sort of like move the beans and the chicken in the freezer, <laughs> make space to, you know, or then the other one I saw was like get them soaking wet and yeah. then go for a long trek in them. 
And so, so when they're when they're wet, they'll stretch, or just sit there and bend them, or take them to a shoe shop and get the guy to stretch them. What are you actually going to shoot while you are in Colombia and Iceland and other sundry countries? So in uh, Colombia, uh, yes. Cartagena, where I'm going to, uh, it'll be uh, portraits, hopefully environmental portraits, because oh. uh, it's uh, rustic. It's my kind of, uh, you know, city where rustic and yeah. lots of grungy buildings and all of that. So the street photography and uh, I'll line up with some portraits. And it happens that there's uh, five of the millennials, one of them my daughter, happened to be in Cartagena when I'm there, so Ooh. I'll have uh, no shortage of models. Uh, they've all put their hand up, happy to, to be assistance. part of any and assistance, so tutorials and things like that. So hopefully get lots of stuff done for the uh, goal community and um, right. we'll get some stuff for the uh, the uh, the course that we're working on as well, Val. And, of course, oh. Gina's referring to the gold community that you can find at ginamilitia.com. You should check it out. So go to the website and click on Join the Community. And uh, Iceland, Val, will be – like Iceland is very uh, a beautiful um, uh, sort of uh, – there's no trees, not many trees, but it's rugged okay. landscape and gorgeous beaches and there's black sand beaches with actually like, you know, remnants of icebergs that wash up on the shore and Ooh. like amazing mountains and gorges and waterfalls and – Fantastic stuff, stuff that I don't normally do, but it's like bucket list kind of stuff for me. So I've always wow. wanted to get a car, drive around Iceland and just really? photograph things like... I've never uh, had that desire. Yeah, well, I have. And uh, so hopefully uh, I know it's kind of coming into winter there. It's like the end of high season. So fewer tourists, which was uh, like a big tick for me. I don't like sort of um, people in my photos. <laughs> I'm so- I was so angry at the Taj Mahal that I'm like, why? And I actually had a really good crack at trying to move the crowds. And my friend that was traveling with me couldn't get over the fact that I was sitting there going, you know, you get out and you move, you move. So I had a clear space. And then. I was so into moving people that the, the the security guards that were there in the end started to help me <laughs> and, and roped off an area so I could get my shot. And so, uh, but but apparently you can drive around part, once you get out of uh, Reykjavik, which is the, uh, the the capital city. Once you get like you know um, a couple of hours out, you can drive and not see another car, not see wow. another. Person. But there's uh, great mobile reception. Uh, across the place. So I've been sort of planning how to uh, work with my workflow and shooting. So I will be taking the Cam Ranger and I will be shooting my landscapes um, as uh, HDR. So I'll be shooting uh, uh, an an exposure in the middle, so what I think it will be. Okay, for each shot, then I'll be overexposing and underexposing and maybe sort of quarter stop uh, a couple of way either side of the exposure and then you merge that. So if you have, say, an epic landscape where you've got 
beautiful skies with lots of clouds and you've got water and you've got grass, to photograph that in one hit, very difficult to get all the detail all the way through. So this this way it's kind of helps me to get sort of the uh, epic mega image and then playing around with exposure, sort of making the water look silky by doing longer exposures and then trying to capture the the sort of the force of waves. I've seen some amazing shows. There's really heaps of lighthouses around yeah, right. Iceland. In Iceland. And there's some epic... Well, there's a big fishing economy. Exactly, yeah. That's how they made their wealth in Iceland uh, through fishing. But there's uh, like these amazing photos where like the the waves are like crashing up around lighthouses and like you Mm. could uh, get some really amazing shots if you shoot with a really fast shutter speed so you freeze all the water droplets so I want to do that but it's like it's what I see and hopefully the rain holds off long enough to uh to to get those shots and I'll bring my uh uh, raincoat that I've got for my camera, specially designed little rain sleeve that now, goes over that allows me to get my hand in and still shoot and keep it dry. Before we move on to this week's topic, I have been meaning to ask you how what have you been using your Cam Ranger for? And before you answer that, perhaps you can explain to people who might not know what your Cam Ranger is. So the Cam Ranger is like a, a remote. Uh, device for the camera and basically uh, it's uh, it 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 connects to the camera uh, and uh, via a, a USB cord uh, and it powers up and then you use either an iPhone or an iPad or I'm sure it'll work with a, a, a the other what, what's the uh, opposite of iPhone what's what's Android Android device, right? And so you download an app. The app is free. The Cam Ranger isn't. And uh, <laughs> then via uh, the uh, – it has its own uh, Wi-Fi, so you don't need to be connected to Wi-Fi. It's got its own Wi-Fi. You connect to your phone and they talk to each other yep. like uh, Dave, the Flash and – what did I name the camera? Steve, Dave and Steve. You know when the flash and the camera talk, connect and talk to each other? Yeah, okay. Cam Ranger and uh, the iPad or iPhone connect in the same way. And basically what you can do is you can uh, preview shots rather than having to look on the back of your camera through that small LCD screen. You've got the whatever size your iPad or phone yeah. is, you've got that. But then that becomes a, a, a control for the camera. So basically when I'm in Iceland, if I come up and I find this epic-looking uh, lighthouse that I want to photograph and if it's really windy and cold, I can set my camera up just outside the car, <laughs> right, get get my focus right, get back in the car, turn the <laughs> heater on mm. and have get my iPad up, out and control, change the exposure, and right, just sit right. here and take so, photos. So essentially, I think it does what the um, what uh, some Canon, because you you work with Canon. What some mm-hmm. Canon models do, I think the seventy D and the new five D Mark IV. Um, so I think your son's camera does this, where you don't you you, you don't even need to use the Cam Ranger. You just use your phone and you download the camera. Canon Connect app, yep. I believe. Yep. Yep. And so it does it do that essentially. Yeah, but then it's got all these great little like the what's really cool about it is you can set it up to uh, bracket things like ISO. So when you're doing HDR, mm. um, a lot of photographers bracket 
uh, shutter speed, uh, but it changes. It can change the look of the shot. So if you're bracketing ISO, it's a much smoother transition, and you can get these really great sort of shots where you've got really high dynamic range. So you've got super detail in your highlights, mm. super detail in your shadows, and you get these super real epic shots. But the thing about Iceland, it doesn't matter if you were doing techie shots or you just like got your iPhone out and just you know took a snap out the car window. Everything is epic out out of this world looking. It's such an amazing place. There's no place like it yeah, really in the world that that's rugged and no trees. Very though. exciting. Yes. So let's move on then to you have a useful link for us this week. Yes, so um about for about belly flops? Yes, so um <laughs> I'm trying to think who posted this in the oh, so Ian Breslin uh posted this to the uh so you want to be a photographer Owen podcast. Even. Oh, so, sorry, I see the <laughs> Ian <laughs> Owen. Sorry, Owen. Uh to 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 the uh podcast community on Facebook and uh basically it's this awesome shot where there's uh, a gorgeous model and she's standing there and she's got like a uh, poolside uh which is a great shot in itself but like the way he's added life to the shot is he's got like an epic splash going on behind her. So if you were creating this shot, Val, what would you do to, if you wanted, like, to create a splash just to give the shot some life? Yeah. How would you create the splash? Um, get someone to, like, hopefully in a hidden spot underneath, splash the water up? Yeah, or maybe throw something in the background or, you know, have a hose or something creating a splash. That's kind of the way I would do it as well. Yeah. Well, this photographer in this particular article uh, has, has another way of doing it. So basically what he's done is he's, uh, I think he's set up his camera to um, to uh, sh- shoot remotely. So he's set it to a timer and uh, he gets in the background <laughs> and just... <laughs> Does a belly flop awesome. because he says that that's the best way because when you do a belly flop uh, as uh, when I was about eight my friend Vanessa Bird who had a <laughs> swimming pool up the road uh, she was a couple of years older than me a bit more savvy and she taught me how to do a belly flop I didn't realize <laughs> what was going to happen but it was very entertaining for her and her oh, older friends oh. where they got me to stand at the end of the pool and they're like what you want what we want you to do Gina is to like jump up very high and go straight down onto your belly into the water it makes a really good splash oh my god they didn't tell me how much it hurts it's so painful so i know how much this guy suffers for his art because (laughs) you do get a great splash with a belly flop but yeah, it's also very painful. So th- th- this is a very unique way uh, to to create life in your shots and uh, also very exhausting. But, you know, the final result is uh, quite interesting. He's got quite an array of uh, like different different splashes. And the model 
doesn't move. No, she does. Yeah, she's she's like she, a statue. There's this massive belly flop going on in the background, and she she doesn't even crack it. Like she doesn't even get roll her eyes or anything. No. It's uh, very very funny. So uh, yeah, unique. Well, so I wonder if anyone in uh, you know in the community uh, wants to have a go at something like that. Yeah, we'll put the link in the show notes, and of course you can find the show notes at GinaMilitia.com. That's M-I-L-I-C-I-A. Now, we have a shout-out to Andrew McNamara, don't we? Yes, yes. So um, Andrew uh, just po- posted in also in the uh, Facebook group that he was taking some shots of some gear and I'm MacGyvering all over the place from bar stools, hockey sticks, fire guards and trash cans. And uh, now, where can I use a kitchen sink? So <laughs> he, he's, uh, he's posted a great shot. And again, I love this so much because I keep saying, you don't need the big flash studio. You know, everyone's sort of way, I don't have a studio or I don't, if you just need uh, a small corner and um, we've had uh, uh, examples in, in, in the community where people have uh, posted photos where they've used their laundry as, yes. a, as, a, as, a, as a photo studio for portraits. You just need a tiny corner and even when I'm working professionally, Val, I've had to shoot in, um, you know, grungy laneways next to I've used the garbage uh, wheelie bins as uh, to hold my laptop and you know tiny little corners so in in the real world when you're shooting you don't often have the luxury of having this massive space to work in and so anything is better than nothing so setting himself up he's got the telly he's watching the footy at the same time I can see in the shot yes he's watching uh, the Sydney Swans versus GWS I think Oh, right, there you go. And, uh, and then he's got all his gear set up and uh, there's plenty of space uh, to, get, to get great shots. So uh, good on you, Andrew. That's uh, fantastic, impressive with awesome. the, the MacGyvering skills there. Excellent MacGyvering. Mm. And also a shout-out to Rob Morris, who is from Southern California. And uh, he, we've, we'll put some shots that he's taken also in the show notes. And what he's done is he's done two recent headshots for some local actors in his area. And he says, I'm going for dramatic and eye-catching headshots and would appreciate some constructive criticism if you mm. have time. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it's both very lightly edited in Lightroom and Photoshop. They're great shots. I think they're great great shots, shots. especially for actors' headshots. So he's using his Tamron 70 to 200 on these at 200 millimetres, which is like that would be my go-to focal length for portraits. Uh, Beautiful, fills the frame, gives you a great bokeh, and uh, he's using uh, two Yongnuo uh, 685 flashes and uh, the 30-inch rapid box to camera left, and um, and then he's got another 20-inch rapid box camera right. Uh, slightly behind the subject and a 20-inch silver reflector in front and slightly camera right just to bounce back Mm. a little bit of light. And uh, I think these uh, lighting-wise and uh, the posing and the angle and the expression on the the model's faces, Mm. fantastic. Yes. Can't... Cannot fault them. Really engaging, open, warm, yes. beautiful headshots. Good catch the, lights. 
fantastic catch lights and there is no question who is the hero of these yes, shots. Yes. The models stand out. There is nothing distracting about these photos and I could easily, uh, they, they work beautifully uh, on a cover of a magazine or in a spread or social media, anywhere, anywhere. So the only critique that I have uh, with uh, both the image, uh, so he's got a, a photo of uh, a lady uh, and um, the uh, positioning of the eyes, uh, dead centre of the frame. I would uh, recrop this image, uh, and if you have any space uh, uh, under her chin, more chin, I would tilt the camera a bit lower and uh, try and make sure that you get the eyes in the top third of the frame, mm. just uh, visually far more dynamic. Mm. And uh, with the portrait of the guy, he has positioned the eyes in the top third of the frame, but uh, the cropping just a little bit too tight. It's yeah. just skimming the top of the head. Yep. And whenever you... Uh, crop where something is just skimming or just missing, it always looks like a mistake. So you've yep. got to be more decisive with your cropping. Easy fix, Rob, for these. So mm. the guy, I'd just, uh, if you've got room above the head, just give it a slight, a little bit more above the head. If you don't, crop in uh, a little bit lower and just go uh, sort of uh, a, a little bit lower into his head. Don't, don't worry about that. You're not a big fan of cropping into the head, are you, Val? Not really. Not really. So um, if you were shooting for Val, Rob, you'd have some space above the head. I don't mind the crop into the head. Uh, don't do it all the time. But in, in this situation, it, it would make uh, this shot look not more dynamic. And uh, aside from that, uh, nailed it. Yeah, awesome. I think it's fantastic. I would like to clarify that I don't mind so much the crop into the forehead, but I really can't stand it when it is on a white background mm -hmm. because then your head kind of – because often, you know, you are placing – particularly in a magazine or something, you are placing the image on a white background, on, on the white layout. Yeah. And uh, it just looks like they've they've – They've decapitated or yeah. or something. It's very strange. So if there's colour, it's actually you know more acceptable. Um, but yeah, so just one more about on yeah. a final note uh, with the uh, reflector. Whenever you're working with a darker skin tone, uh, silver fantastic because silver really brings out the highlights. Dark skin tones uh, uh, accentuate it like you give uh, tone and modelling to a dark skin tone mm. that they're defined by the highlights. A lighter skin tone is defined by the shadows. I find that a silver uh, reflector on a lighter skin tone tends to be uh, a bit much, a bit hard mm. and so I really prefer a softer fill uh, on on a, a lighter skin tone and so I always go with white and mm. uh, we all know how I feel about gold. Uh, <laughs> gold reflectors uh, belong in the 80s. Oh, my God. Stay there. I, yeah, if someone, please, news at com. if you can show me 
a good use for the silver reflector other than a new pair of hot pants for you, Val? You mean a gold, the gold Sorry, reflector? Sorry, gold reflector other than new hot pants for you? <laughs> uh, let me know because uh, it's just too much. I remember distinctly much, you using we loved the gold it. reflector. I know, Val. I used we to hold know. it for you. There are many things that I flip on, you know. Okay. So uh, th- this is one of them. All right. Well, let's move on then to this week's topic, which is actually part two of last week's topic, because we spoke last week about how to avoid and overcome some of the most common mistakes that you will make in photography. So we couldn't get through them all because there were quite a few, and that it was a uh, and um, you know thank you to everyone for all of your comments on last week's episode. So this week we are doing more ways to avoid and overcome some of those common mistakes. Hmm. So. We're going to start with uh, something that is actually close to my heart because we get the occasional question sometimes for feedback on photographers' websites, particularly in the gold community. You know, people have created their new website and, they were, and they're wondering whether it's done the right way or whether it showcases their work. And in many instances, it is. It's a fantastic looking website. But I think there are some common mistakes when it comes to the website you are trying to use as something to showcase yourself and your skills as a photographer. Mm. And the first one is that as a photographer, your pictures speak louder than words because you really need to people are going to people are hiring you not so much on your bio but on your actual pictures the kind of pictures that you generate so what's really important when you are creating your own website is to make sure that you are showcasing your best work now some people some photographers showcase their um, projects alphabetically mm. or by Uh, chronological order Mm. or through some other theme that doesn't necessarily showcase the best stuff first. What's really important is when you're creating your gallery, make sure that the first shots that people see are your best. In fact, of course, everything that is on your website should be your best, of course. But sometimes we put some shots in there that maybe um, are, are from an event, And so they are great in terms of telling a story of the event, but sometimes that's not necessarily the place. Your, your, your website is the function of your website is actually not to tell the story of an event. It's to showcase your best work. So it's always ideal to make sure that they are ordered in the right way so that people just aren't flicking through or clicking through a gallery in order of the, you know, pick the, the order in which you took them. Mm. So number one, you really got to pick your hero shots and make sure they are front and center of your website. Yep. Also with your website, people uh, will click on your about page just to see your level of experience. And I think the biggest mistake people make that photographers make in that I've seen is that they also tell their own story in chronological order. Like they say, uh, you know, John Smith studied engineering at <laughs> university and then worked for um, BHP. Yeah. After 20 years, he g- gave in to his uh, love 
for photography and now does photography part-time or something. No, yeah. no, 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 no. What you did 20 years ago is so not relevant to what you're doing now. Always start with the here and now. John Smith is a photographer that specializes in landscapes and travel or whatever. Yeah. You can talk about the fact that you have an engineering degree in mm. paragraph three, yeah. but don't lead with the, you know, um, what you first, how you first started your career. I think people think that they need to tell the story in chronological order just because, you know, that's what we've been conditioned to do. But, in fact, that's one of the biggest mistakes. That's a good point. I'm not saying you should hide your background at all. I'm just saying it doesn't belong in paragraph one. It belongs in paragraph three. So they're, they're my two tips in terms of the biggest mistakes that I see on websites. Fantastic. And uh, I can add that uh, putting work up that you don't want to do. Oh, so, yes, that's right. So you're as, you will be hired on the work that people see. And also mm. the other one is the uh, the candy shop analogy again where, like, I, I found that the, the common mistake in photography is trying to show too much in a photo, trying to show too much in a website. It confuses people and yeah. they end up not – they will remember nothing if you show them too much. So if you're uh, – and I, this, this happens a lot when I started out. I, did, I shot food, believe it or not. I mm. shot events. I shot people. I shot fashion. I shot everything. And and uh, everything was on display. I displayed everything. And so I would go and show my folio to people and they go, wow, it's all great. And then I would leave and there was nothing memorable about like what they, they can't remember one thing. Oh, wow. Next time we have a fashion shoot, let's get Gina to do it because they're, they're thinking about everything that I did and yeah. they remember nothing. So there yeah. is a real danger and it's sort of a fine line. It's, it's tricky when you're starting out because I think it's important to t- say yes to a lot of the different jobs and tra- yeah. and, tra- and because I didn't realise I wanted to shoot portraits until I started shooting them. I, mm. I thought I'd be a food photographer, you know. Mm. So it's important to try these things out but it's it's the danger is uh, trying to uh, present yourself as a master of everything. Why did you uh, think and, you would be a food photographer? Because oh, that's what I started doing. I was getting work out of it. I kind of enjoyed it. Sort of. Mm. I thought I did until then I started shooting portraits and I went, ah, oh, this is so much better. I really enjoy <laughs> this. So, But, yeah, and that was, uh, you know, one of the big downfalls when I showed my folio. Too much, too much information, too overwhelming. And But, but then when I started just focusing on portraits mm. and then I would go and see people and, they, and, and then even sort of niching down even more and uh, in terms of a specialised style of portraits. I even got rid of fashion and uh, other styles and it's just like this is the kind of uh, portraits that I do. I, th- then people remembered me for that particular style yeah. and, and, and it worked a lot better. So really sort of make your mark, hone in on what you want and yeah. and if you don't want to shoot particularly weddings, don't put weddings on your yeah, that's right. don't. because people will be attracted to the weddings yeah. and keep booking you for weddings. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. All right, what's next? Uh, so self-promotion, Val. So uh, what, oh, common what are mistakes the mis- in yeah, self-promotion. Common mistakes in self-promotion. What do you see as like one of the biggest uh, mistakes that, uh, that photographers make when they're self-promoting? 
I think that uh, the biggest mistake that I see are a couple. Number one is desperation. So nobody kind of responds well to desperation, but not that many people do it, which is great. However, also with self-promotion, remember that it's about the best way to self-promote is to let, as a photographer that is, is to let your work speak for itself. So it is showcasing um, your shots. It's talking about the images. It's talking about um, uh, where you were or the thought behind it. Uh, And it's not hey, aren't I great? Or, hey, does anyone want to book me? Mm. I'm, I guess I'm talking specifically about social media because that is has been such a boon for photographers and is such a great way for photographers to get themselves out there compared to before you really had to know one, right? Yeah. It yeah. was much, much harder. But now with social media, you can showcase your work and showcase the way you work without necessarily saying, and book me, book me, book me, because obviously <laughs> you're a to be booked and so I think that that's really important and and also to um, give credit where credit's due because for example let's say you are shooting John Smith (laughs) well not John Smith John Smith's the photographer you're you're, you're shooting (laughs) Mary Jones yeah uh, and you've got this great shot of Mary Jones and unless Mary has specifically asked you not to identify her give her the credit where it's due yeah you know talk about who Mary Jones is or, or what she she does or whatever because I know some photographers who don't do that and um and when it, which is fine if it's a model or it's an artistic shot or something like that, you know, that's okay because um, that is the job of a model. But if you are actually photographing somebody who's going there for themselves, mm. yeah, I, I would say give credit where credit's due as well because they're bringing something to your shot as well. But, but definitely I think there's a fine line between um, self-promotion and, and, you know, personal branding with integrity. Exactly. Totally agree, Val. Totally mm. agree. Um, all right, so should we go on to the next one? Yes, what's the next one? All right, so this is something that I see, uh, well, uh, yeah, a lot of photographers do, uh, especially when they're starting out, and it's, uh, it's, it's catering to the client or for likes. So what do you shooting, mean? Well, shooting, um, shooting in a particular style that is probably not close to their heart, but, but photographers believe that if I shoot this way and these particular um, subjects, it's going to get me uh, more likes on Instagram and Facebook and it's going to attract clients to my work. So it's not really your own style. You're just sort of copying a trend that's out there that's popular at the time and it's not it's 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 not about you you're not shooting from the heart you're shooting it's it's very it's a very calculated way of shooting and i think it can be uh, a little bit clinical and i and i see it done a lot these days where yeah. it's a particular style mm. and uh, because well that's what's in vogue at the moment yeah. and so it's uh, every photographer copying every other photographer who's already copied some other photographer and it's just this whole trend you know like that shot you see where there's a woman in the front and holding the guy's hand all around the world first time it was done the first time i saw Mm. it wow this is fantastic the Mm. 60th time i've seen it you know and it's the same with um 
Joel Grimes's work, which is the you know the the the, the model in in the um, HDR room, the the lighting down the sides of the face, certain gritty look. It's got a real look about it. So the first time I saw it eight years ago, uh, amazing. And then after the fiftieth student exhibition that I went to, which was was their entire folio, you, mm. you kind of think, well, you know. And it's it's tough, Val, because it's like when you're starting out and you want to develop a style. I encourage uh, photographers to copy other photographers, copy the style, Mm. but draw in other elements that say something about you. So it might be that you take uh, an element from one photographer that you like. It might be the lighting, but you might like the way another photographer poses and you might like the sort of subject choice that another photographer uses or even better, photograph the subject's that means something to you because that's going to come through in the photos. Mm, it's mm. going to, you know, shine through. So uh, be careful of that and, and uh, it, just focus on sh- shooting work that's meaningful to you and the rest will come, Val, I yes. believe. All right. That's great yeah. advice. Okay, what's next? So that, that leads me to um, – not shooting personal projects, which is like it's easy to get busy and caught up uh, yes. in, 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 in the busyness of, uh, of being a photographer mm. and uh, just you're getting lots of work, shooting lots of stuff, but mm. suddenly something happens where you're uh, dictated, your work is dictated by what the client wants. And yeah. so you end up with this whole body of work that really isn't your own. And then again, it can take on that clinical look. And I can speak from experience. I had a couple of years where I just shot every day for everyone mm. else. And I looked at my folio over the, the uh, back over the two years and I thought, I've got nothing in here that says anything about yeah, me. Right. There's nothing personal. And not only um, – so, Val, don't get me wrong, I was making great money. I was mm. very busy and it was like, you know, you kind of think, well, that's the dream, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I'm, get, I'm getting everything I wanted but I was really unhappy. So I was what really did you unhappy. then go and shoot? What was the first – when you had that realisation, what did I took you my, shoot? I took myself overseas mm-hmm. and uh, for the first time uh, – and so every time I travelled up until that day, I um, – I was so exhausted that whenever I was on a holiday, I never took photos because it's like I couldn't be bothered. But yeah. this time I took myself overseas. I had a camera and I, for that, you know, 10 days that I was away, I just went out and I photographed things just because. Yeah. For Great. no, with no ulterior motive. I had no idea where they'd end up. I didn't care, Val. I just wanted yeah. to take photos. I was really, really happy. It was one of the best trips of my life and then guess what happened I brought them home I sold them I got a commission out of them and then I started sharing those photos and uh you know it it then became my Instagram account and all most of the I I rarely post any of my commercial shots Mm -hmm. that they they don't see the light. Sometimes they end up in a newsletter or somewhere they'll end up on the website eventually Mm. but 
the photos that I share on a regular basis are the mm. photos that I take just because, the photos mm. that I want to shoot. And this is how my style evolves and I experiment with new ways that I want to shoot and I try different things, I try different angles, different techniques in post-production. And these photos, I, I feel, best reflect my personality because it's all the things that I love. Mm. And from that, I've landed the biggest jobs of my career off my Instagram feed, which is even, not not a single celebrity in there, Val, which you would mm. think, oh, you're getting work because you photograph celebrities. Mm. Nope. It's yep. photos of bikes and Fiat 500s, <laughs> the things that I love, okay. the folio stuff, ju- yeah. just because. So I think if there's one thing, one thing you can do that's going to change uh, the quality of your photography is shoot personal projects mm. and, uh, you know, at the very least, make set aside a day, a month, spend the month daydreaming, planning, and go out and do it. It doesn't have to be complicated. You don't need to travel. You don't need a model. But mm. what what do you want to shoot? What do you want to shoot? Mm. And shoot it and process it the way you want to process it and make it about you and then share that work and see what happens. Great. I love it. Okay, fantastic. What else? So the next the next thing that I see uh, on a regular basis is photographers that uh, develop a style and a mm. formula uh, that that works. And so, be it a uh, a wedding photographer or a portrait photographer or mm. a lifestyle photographer, they've got they've d- developed this technique of shooting, a way of lighting, a way of posing, and it works. Mm. But then they use that. For every single shoot oh, they I do. I see this. I see this a lot. Drives me bonkers. So foisting your style onto mm. every client, it's going to work for fifty percent of mm. the clients, but it's not going to work for everyone. Mm. So you need to. I think it's important to make sure that you carefully think about who you're photographing, where you're photographing, and what you're doing, and focus on capturing the personality uh, rather than using this cookie-cutter approach to photography, which is easy, quick, it gets the job done, you get mm. in and out, it's done, it's, it's going to pass, the client's going to love it, but it's going to, uh, it's eventually, it's going to, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot if you continue yeah. to shoot like this. It's a very dangerous way to, to work as a photographer. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely agree. And it just it's just so obvious. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think it's a really lazy way to shoot. And yeah, I know is. it's uh, – well, la- lazy and safe. Like yes, you know it's, it's worked, you know people like it, but mm. it, 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 you're not growing as an artist if you continue. Because I can understand Wait. being safe because you've got a certain amount of time oh. and you want to achieve, you know, whatever. So you go the safe option. But what I suggest to people is, okay, great, do the safe option, but then – at least so that you've got that in the bag, so to speak, as as a as a you know plan B in case plan A doesn't work, and then go to plan A and do something different. Yeah, and and I, I think obviously I re- have a particular photographer in mind as I'm speaking. About this. <laughs> a, re- a really a really uh, good thing to think about when you're shooting is to try and uh, particularly when you're working with clients. Uh, obviously, there's something that they have in mind that you've discussed that you've got to get that safety shot. So you always make sure you get that one mm. for the client, mm. but then always make sure that you leave time 
get one for you. For sure. So yep. that's something that I try and do whenever I'm doing the cover shoots, the editorial spreads. I always make sure, okay, the, the art director has said, okay, these are all the shots we need to get. This is crucial for cover. It has to fit a certain format. It has to be a certain vibe, certain look. They've already written a copy for it. it this is what has to happen. Mm. Great. I get all those shots. I always make sure there's another half hour up my sleeve. I'm like, I've got another suggestion. Mm. Can we try this? And mm. it's a rare that they'll say no mm. and they'll let me do it and uh, I'll, I'll either come away with something that they go, oh, my God, we love that. So, and this happened uh, in a shoot I did uh, a, a, a couple of months ago where I, last shot I said, I've got an idea, can we do this? And it wasn't on the shot list I cre- and suddenly like, they turned out to be the favourite shots from the whole day. Yeah, absolutely. I can totally, totally understand. Yeah, it's a a good thing to do. So uh, next, uh, Val, uh, Mm -hmm. is something that easily done again, but another little 1% are missing the moments between frames. So as a portrait photographer, you're set up, you've got this shot in mind and uh, you're hell-bent on getting the model to smile in a certain way or look Mm. comfortable and, like, you're waiting for that to happen. And uh, then something happens, there'll be a distraction or the model will look the other way or laugh Mm. and you're... You're the money so shot. Distra- you're so <laughs> distracted or, or so hell-bent on getting this particular shot that the photographer doesn't even press the shutter. And I've, mm. got, um, I've had uh, a number of uh, stylists and makeup artists because that's something that I'm always on the – I'm shooting those. Like I, I actually force those moments by saying inappropriate things or say mm. just anything that's going to put the model off guard. When they mm. don't expand, I'm ready to shoot, to capture that moment. That's what I'm looking for in a shot. But uh, I've had uh, uh, other uh, stylists and makeup artists say, we're on a shoot and we're doing what you do behind the scenes to get the model to laugh and to get that unguarded moment. And the photographer is looking in their bag or doing something else and we've mm. kept, we've created this moment and they won't even shoot it because they're, so, they're so, ridiculous. so fixated on getting this one shot. So yeah. those... They can be absolute gold, those, mm. like, when they're not not aware of the camera or sometimes I just set up and I'll say, I'm just doing test shots at the moment, so just relax, don't worry, I'll, I'll let you know when we're ready to go. Sometimes mm. those shots end up being the ones that we use because yes. they're so relaxed, they're so comfortable. It allows the model to actually get, shift in position slightly and make it their own and often I'm watching for those moments because they're going to do something that shows their personality. They might just shift the seat, move their foot slightly, stand in another way that makes them feel comfortable but and mm. suddenly it's their them and it's not the way you've posed them and you've got this great shot or they've looked away or laughed or something Mm. look for those moments and and grab them be aware just shoot just shoot everything it's like film's really cheap these days (laughs) (laughs) absolutely yes (laughs) <laughs> um, all right, so uh, got time for a couple more. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go down, sk- skip a couple. Uh, overlighting Val is something that I see uh, all the time, so um, just be careful of that. So going in and making the lighting uh, just too much light. So keeping very flat, even lighting looks really clinical and uh, it's it's uh, it kills kills the shot Mm. so just be really careful of that and uh, try and pull back have a good look at the back of the screen or if you're shooting tethered 
does this look lit? Can I tell how lit it is? Have I overdone it and uh, maybe pull back? And this is probably a good exercise to do experiment uh, at home. Just uh, get 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 a friend or uh, like a styrofoam head, uh, set it up and uh, practice and uh, try and, uh, you know, what happens when I uh, reduce the lighting by half a stop? What happens if I increase the lighting? What happens if I pull back on the light? And see if you can get some modelling into the shot and uh, yeah. by that I mean having one side uh, lit uh, slightly less than the other side so you capture mm. some mood and how light really looks and when you're out and about sitting at, at dinner with someone or out at lunch outside have a look at how the light looks on their face and how mm. it falls in a natural environment because that's what you're trying to recreate you know the light should just try and um, enhance the setting and uh, mm. clean up the skin tone slightly but not sort of overwhelm the entire shot so it starts to look un artificial and that's certainly something that I've learned from you because ever since you started talking a lot about making sure that there is modeling and when you first started saying that I used to think what the hell is she talking about and until I finally realized you were talking about um, the fact that there there could be more light on one side of the face than the other sort of shadows on one side of the face so you could see the contours and you could see the shapes you could see the cheekbones you could see the, you know, all of the different aspects of the face so that it didn't look, as you say, so flat. So yeah. the first few times you said it, I really kind of had no idea what you were talking about. Yeah. Um, but it makes so much sense. And now I can't help but look for that in other people's shots as well. So, yeah, awesome. great advice. Awesome. So the opposite of that, Val, is uh, uh, underlighting. So they're not using enough light, being too tentative in the lighting, and it's sort of then it's uh, flat and grey and muddy. So be aware of that. And finally, Val, uh, the way uh, photographers direct when they're shooting portraits, they're either uh, too loud and overbearing oh, yeah. or there's silence. So I see the two extremes. So I see the photographer that uh, comes in uh, swaggering uh, with attitude, is loud, is bossing everyone around, you know, yes. when they're on, on the set of a – you know they're there. If it's at a wedding, everyone goes, oh, yeah, that photographer. Like they take over and mm. it's all about them. They talk about themselves. They, you know, just – it's me, 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 me. And they're, mm. they're, the, the direction is really pushy and uh, they can be uh, – a bit rude in the way that they speak to the model. They treat the model like they're, you know, nothing. Mm. And uh, this may, and they get angry when the model doesn't do the right thing and that sort of thing. Sadly, I see this a lot and uh, mm. it's not going to get uh, – it's not going to – get the greatest uh, sort of um, photo. Not at all. You, mm. you, you, you know, it's it's try, try and avoid that if you can. And the opposite of that is uh, the, the the shy photographer who, who doesn't speak and uh, mm. silence behind the camera is really dangerous because the model's standing there and it doesn't matter if it's uh, – if, if, if I had Oprah in front of the camera, I wouldn't be silent, you know, because yes. she's probably – Probably been photographed millions of times, Val. But she, like anyone else, Oprah loves direction, and everyone loves to hear. That's great. That's yes. right. Tilt your head. Move your body. That's fantastic. And just the constant encouragement and and real and genuine encouragement, not that fake. Yeah, baby, camera loves you because that's sure. awful. Uh, it also happens at event. I see this 
all the time uh, with event photographers who, you know, they're shooting at events. And so often there are groups because when you're shooting groups of people and yet, and there's no direction and yep. the, the people in the group are going, is it okay if I put my hand here or can I, should I sit here? Should I stand here? And there's no direction. And yep. it's, there's so much time wasted by all these people kind of wondering whether they should be here or there or standing somewhere else. And then they don't feel very secure either because they don't know whether they're posing in the right spot or in the right position. So I do see it a lot with event photographers and these people would actually be grateful for your direction if if, if you give it. So don't be afraid to give it. Oh, it's the the change is radical. I was just uh, mentoring a a group of photographers last week, and uh, I watched. I, I I said, okay, go do a shoot for me. I watched them, and I noticed the one thing is they did not uh, engage with the models very much. Mm. And so basically I gave them a really simple script of what I would say and then I let them go away and write it into their own words because there's nothing worse than trying to mimic and be someone that, you know, that you aren't. So it, it's got to fit in with your personality and the way that you would say things. Otherwise, you're not going to pull it off. Yeah. But just that using that script when they were shooting and telling the models exactly what they were going to do. Okay, so, you know, starting with I'm going to take five or six frames, alerting them to the fact that this is not just one shot. Yeah, so yeah. I'm taking – and you're taking command. And you don't need to be loud and overbearing. You're just letting them know, hey, I'm going to do about five or six frames, okay? And then, okay, got it. So you come back to the camera and then you're shooting and then you're going, that's great, that's great, just shift your body, fantastic. Just the continual talk to, to let them know that they're doing the right thing, which, yeah. which makes them happy because if you're silent, the poor model is sitting there saying they're silent. I look awful. My hips look big. I knew I shouldn't have worn this dress. My hair looks awful. I knew I look. They're going into their own headspace, you know, worrying about how they're looking. And then finally, if you're going to move away and uh, preview the shots, you'll see photographers that will just start looking through the shots, not say anything to the model. The poor model's standing there going, well, what are they doing? Mm. So, and I, so I said at that point you look at the model and you say, I'm just going to check through the shots, make sure everything's sharp and everything's okay, I'll just be a second. Mm. Okay, and just relax for a sec. So they relax and they know that they haven't done anything wrong. The photographer scrolls through the shots, makes sure they've got the shot and then they look up and they say, everything's fantastic, thank you very much. It doesn't take much. It's not a lot of dialogue that needs to happen but just doing those open little things, open communication is going to make a di- And then... Because you've said, I'm just checking the shots, it's okay to then say, when you look at the shots and you go, oh, you know what, the hips should be moved around a little bit, you go, hey, I just want to tweak one thing. And then you're careful not to say, your, your hips look massive in this shot. <laughs> you don't say that, but you just say, I just want to make a little tweak. If you need to, get up and just reposition them. I, I, I think we can uh, just just uh, adjust it a couple of things. I just want to do a few more just for safety. And then you go back and do the shot. Mm. Job done. Absolutely. Fantastic. Great advice. Yeah. All right. Well, yes, that's that's quite a number of common mistakes, but we both see it and yeah. um, they can easily be avoided. So um, hopefully there's some tips in there for, for you guys and um, you'll find them useful. Yes. So what have you got in the coming week, Gina? 
before uh, we wrap up. So uh, I'm going to break in my um, hiking boots. Your hiking uh, boots. <laughs> that's my okay. uh, number one. And I'm uh, so I had a hard drive uh, cack itself during Whoa. the week. 2014, and- 2015, gone. Luckily, oh. version B of the same, uh, you know, uh, the backup version, safe. So uh, all I need to do is make another copy because I've always got two copies of everything. But it Ooh. started making clicking sounds, the hard oh. drive, whirring, clicking, click, 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 and then no. suddenly it disappeared and the computer couldn't recognise it. I rang the hard drive doctor and they <laughs> quoted me a uh, 1,000 plus to retrieve that data. No. But I don't have to because I've already got it backed up on another copy. So, because I keep. Moral of the story is back things up twice. But it happens. So, it's time to now get all my old hard drives and move them along to newer models. Yeah. So, from everything back from maybe 2011, move it along, get get it like a four terabyte hard drive and back it up. Yeah. Because they they do fail eventually. Yes, they do. Oh, yeah. Mine fail. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they so uh, that's another thing and working out, you know, data storage and getting myself mm. organised. What are you doing, Val? What am I doing? I'm heading to Brisbane tomorrow because I'm speaking at an event, so that should be fun. And um, it's just one of those busy weeks coming up. I've got some consulting uh, com- coming up. I've um, got, I don't know, um, someone's shooting me on Thursday. Woo. Um, not photography, filming. And, um, yeah, I don't know, just, just stuff. Stuff. Good stuff, Val. Exciting. Yes, exciting, yes. But I'm not off to Colombia or Iceland. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have hiking boots that I need to wear in. But uh, it's going to be fun anyway. So, Gina, where do we find you online? Uh, I'm at ginamilitia.com, G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A, and then at Gina Militia on Instagram and at Gina Militia on Twitter. Fantastic. And you'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Also join the uh, Facebook group. Just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community on Facebook and that's a great place for us to connect as well. And if you are in the gold community at GinaMilitia.com, we look forward to chatting to you in there as well. It's a wonderful place where we have uh, regular tutorials delivered every month as well as a monthly mastermind live with Gina where you can ask all sorts of questions, all your curly questions and also upload your photos for a great photo critique from Gina. So you can find out more at ginamilitia.com and click on join the community. So what is hashtag Gina challenge this week, Gina? Oops, that's the challenge. Oops. (laughs) Oops. Oops, okay. <laughs> hashtag Gina challenge is hashtag oops. So every week we have a different topic or theme and you can interpret it however you like and we upload uh, to the Facebook group uh, our interpretation of hashtag Gina challenge, hashtag oops. And so we look forward this week to seeing what you come up with with your shots. So until next week, everyone, we'll talk to you then. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com.